everyone. Welcome to JoJo's World. Greetings, fair travellers and wanderers. <laughs> Hail and well met, traveller. Welcome. Gather around the campfire and I'll tell you a story of Jotaro Kujo and the villainous Dio. Come, sit by Iggy. He won't bite. Unless he does. In which case... Match. <laughs> Today we watched... No, that's not what we do. <laughs> Well, I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts. Today we watched the 30th episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders, and the 56th episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Total, mm-hmm. and the, uh, what, 6th episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3 Stardust Crusaders, Part Season 2 Battle in Egypt. That's a lot of numbers, and I'm willing to say they're accurate. It covers chapter 199 through chapter 201 of the manga. Ooh, a whole three chapters. Whoa, so unusual. My gosh. Wow, we really need to comment on that. (laughs) Well, maybe we do. So Nick, thoughts on this episode? I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah? It's one of those things that's like, oh, it's just a nifty little idea that I had just to use, like, you know... This one basic force. I've got to admit, I I actually enjoyed it more than I expected it to, looking back on it. Hmm. I mean, it's good. It's a good episode. It's got, like, the nice little tricky elements to mm. it. For, I, w- I will lay my cards on the table. Uh, mm. This arc and the one that immediately follows it are probably two of my least favourite in part three. Uh, but this one surprised me with how much I enjoyed it. Is it because we didn't have Iggy farting? Is that one of the main... Yeah, that's what it was, Nick. Jesus. Well, I'm glad we've identified it. I'm glad we can move on. (laughs) So. We open. In hospital. Kakuin sitting in a bed. His eyes are bandaged still. There's a nurse there who we don't know the name of, but I'm sure she has a name. And also a doctor that we don't know the name of, but probably has a name. (gasps) My God. It's the perfect conspiracy. They're all like, how are you, Kakuin? And he's good, like, oh, okay. It's a bit weird not being able to see, but the painkillers are working, which is nice. It's a cunning ruse. <laughs> when are my bandages coming off? I need to get out of here and help my friends fight a vampire. There's yeah. no time to waste. Yeah, about that, Kaku. Now, the doctor. The doctor. The doctor does something I'm pretty sure doctors shouldn't be allowed to do. I think, like, in medical school, you actually have a course that specifically says, don't do this. Yes. He says, uh, well, your injuries aren't life-threatening, but they're not minor. I don't think I can release you anytime soon. In fact, I don't even have an estimate. Kakuin basically dies on the inside. <gasps> Pause for a beat. No, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> no, um, it's true, your injuries need time to heal, but the Speedwagon Foundation got in touch, and they want us to transfer you into the care of their doctors, and they're super advanced, and we really admire them, because we're also doctors. With so their help, you'll surely recover fast. So I am I am going to have my eyes back, is what you're saying? Absolutely. Man, you're an arsehole. What the hell? <laughs> the doctor's like, who are you? They're so famous, I can't expect them to help an ordinary high school student. I just have connections, Mr. Yeah, Doctor. Yeah, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I mean, it really is if you're connected to the Speedwagon Foundation, mm. who are apparently world famous. <laughs> I was talking to you about how if the Speedwagon Foundation is world famous, are they like Google in that they have their fingers in like every industry? Well... It doesn't really come up other than when they're first introduced, but if you recall back when it first, back in 1938 or whatever, mm. when we're first being introduced to the Speedwagon Foundation, he talks about how Speedwagon got his oil money and then used that to make the Speedwagon Foundation, which works towards advances in all fields for the betterment of mankind. If they're and in... then has a secret wing devoted to fighting vampires and the stone masks. Yeah, so it's basically like Wayne Enterprises. Basically, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every single industry, they're just sort of there mm-hmm. and everyone knows about them. All because Speedwagon struck oil in the US. <laughs> that Texas tea. Man, Speedwagon's legacy is intense. Mm. I mean, honestly, he's probably done the most good for the world overall of any of the main characters in the show. I mean, to be fair, Joseph did save the world from imminent okay, destruction. Yeah. So, and uh, that, that's 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 averting a, a a negative, though not directly causing yeah, okay. a positive. Yeah, it's not positive reinforcement. Yeah. It's just negative reinforcement, where you take away a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Psychology one hundred and one. Hey guys, how you going? Welcome to JoJo Psychology. <laughs> Meanwhile, halfway up the Nile in in Luxor, the city city. Formerly known as Thebes, or Thebes. maybe Thebes, I'm not sure. Thebes! One of the two. <laughs> There's a 50-50 shot here. Let's say 
Thebes, because it sounds more ancient Egyptian. Mm, I don't know, man. Thebes. The narrator tells us all about Luxor, how it's near the Valley of the Kings where Tutankhamun is buried. And, <gasps> Tutankhamun. You know, this, this, is, uh, this is classic tourist Egypt. Yeah, this is like the peak of tourist mm. Egypt. This is where you go. This is Thebes. As the site of the ancient Egyptian city of Thebes or Thebes, <laughs> Luxor has frequently been characterised as the world's greatest open-air museum as the ruins of temple complexes at Karnak and Luxor stand within the modern city. Immediately opposite across the river Nile lie the monuments, temples and tombs of the West Bank Necropolis, which includes the Valley of the Kings and Valley of the Queens. Dope. Yeah. Why are they separated? Well, as you know, from from what the narrator informed us a week or two ago, Mm -hmm. on the East Bank of the Nile, uh, the land is devoted to the living, and on the West Bank, the land is devoted to the dead. Right. But, but that's what? why they're separated. No, no, I mean, why is it Valley of the Kings and Valley of the Queens? Why are they no. separated? I don't know, man. Ancient Egypt. Yeah. If you're an ancient Egyptian and uh, know the answer. Well, the thing about the Valley of the Kings is, mm-hmm. uh, the literal translation is the Valley of the Gates of the Kings. Gotcha. And it's a valley in Egypt uh, where from approximately 16th to 11th century BC, mm-hmm. uh, they buried pharaohs there. And powerful nobles of the New Kingdom, which was the 18th and to 20th dynasties of ancient Egypt. Oh, nice. I mean, not, not, I mean, they were probably buried alive, some of them, but, you know, nice. It's a, it's a cool place. Now, because Tutankhamun's come up, let's just take a quick sidebar into talking about the curse of the pharaohs. <laughs> let's, come on, let's do this. <laughs> What is the curse of the pharaohs? Well, Nicholas, the curse of the pharaohs refers to an alleged curse believed by some to be cast upon any person who disturbs the mummy of an ancient Egyptian person, especially a pharaoh. Doesn't differentiate between thieves and archaeologists and can allegedly cause bad luck, illness or death. Hmm. Death, you say? (laughs) In the sense of uh, being scientifically explicable, it's likely caused by um, phenomena such as bacteria or radiation. So let's argue mm. these authors and documentaries. No, I remember um, I was reading about this in primary school once where a bunch of guys got a pharaoh's tomb to go over to America, I think, to be put in a museum. But when they got there, they opened it up and they were like, oh man, that smells really bad. Well, we'll just put it up and it'll be fine. And then all of them died from like a miasma. <laughs> and you're just sitting there going, it's the curse. Not a no. miasma. Yeah, no, it was pretty bad. Because I think like eight of the 11 people who found this thing died within like a few years of like finding it. So basically don't disturb ancient tombs is what we're saying. <laughs> Tutankhamun's curse being one of the better known yep. ones. Yep. Uh, was uh, brought to everyone's attention by the deaths of Howard Carter's archaeological team upon opening the tomb. Mm-hmm. Upon approaching Carter's home, a messenger thought he heard a faint, almost human cry. Reaching the entrance, he saw the birdcage occupied by a cobra, the symbol of Egyptian monarchy, and the canary dead in its mouth, fueling rumours of a curse. Oh my. The first of the mysterious deaths was that of Lord Carnarvon, bitten by a mosquito and later slashed the bite accidentally while shaving. It became infected and he got blood poisoning. He got blood poisoning? Blood poisoning. Is that a thing that exists? Apparently. Wow. A media frenzy followed with reports that a curse had been found in the king's tomb, though this was untrue. The superstitious Benito Mussolini, who had once accepted an Egyptian mummy as a gift, ordered its immediate removal from the Palazzo Chi. <laughs> okay. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, creator of Sherlock Holmes, suggested that Lord Carnarvon's death had been caused by elementals, created by Tutankhamun's priest to guard the royal tomb, further fueling media interest. Did you know that Arthur Conan Doyle was a big, a big spiritualist occultist? No, but... Uh, wow, okay. Something he came to later in life. Um, the TV show that we watched on my other podcast, Houdini and Doyle, mm. purports that it was in the wake of his wife's uh, coma mm. and, and his desire to, to get in contact with her again via various mediums. Though I don't so, know entirely how accurate that is, but I know that towards the latter half of his life he... Ironically, after having created Sherlock Holmes, like, the most aggressively, irritatingly rational character there is. Ultimate deduction. You know, just ghosts. Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, you know, it's probably fueled by desperation. As Sherlock Holmes himself said, when you uh, remove the impossible, whatever remains, however illogical, must be the case. Or maybe it was ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) It was ghosts, dear Watson. That doesn't make any sense. I said it was ghosts, dear Watson. Dear Watson, we have to go defeat Dracula. (laughs) Come on this bizarre adventure. No, fuck off. I would watch the shit out of that. That would be pretty great. 
It's like, I think they haven't, but no, they've done. They've made a Sherlock Holmes versus Jack the Ripper game. That's right. Oh my god. Conan Doyle famously consulted in the Ripper murders. Was he? Hmm. Oh. Because apparently a man who's really good at writing books is, was really is, good is at actually deduction. the world's greatest detective. <laughs> Did he actually help in any way? I don't know. Well, they, they didn't get him. Shit. That's unfortunate. I get. Well, he's dead now. He, well, I'm assuming he's not a ghost. Uh, they're all talking about Egypt, and our dog goes on this weird tangent, much like we just did. Yep. yep. About how. Even still, people dig under their houses with, uh, in secret from the government, hoping to find treasure. To be fair, if they're in the ancient Thebes city, there's probably still a good bit of gold under there. And you never know. Yeah. I mean, there's still stuff being found today. So back in the 80s, it would have been a fucking gold mine. As or a matter of fact. A gold city. No. No? No, just gold mine? Just, okay. As a matter of fact, one of those Wikipedia pages that I haven't opened moments ago referenced a, uh, a big trove found in 2005. Ah, there you go. Relatively recent. Jonah is like, hey, where's Joseph? Where's the old man gone? He's taking a shit. And he's taking Iggy with him. <laughs> so if anyone pops up and tries to kill him, they're going to be okay. Ponorif's like, the toilet? And Avdol goes, oh, do you want to go too? And he says, well, if it's a real bathroom, sure. <laughs> Smash cut to Joseph. In a cubicle in the middle of the desert, staring at some shit. Uh, there's two pieces, if I counted correctly. This was Crunchyroll's, like, hero image for this episode. <laughs> Did you notice that? No, I didn't. What? Is this seriously what they went with? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, good work, Crunchyroll. You know what we want. Just shit. The air's so dry, the poop turns into dust and flies away. A toilet that uses wind instead of water. And there's no paper, just this bucket of sand. It calls it a sand wash it. W-A-S-H-E-T. Not a word I'm familiar with. Yeah, n- neither am I. The idea of putting sand in there doesn't appeal to me. The camera the closes up, cl- closes in on Iggy's face and everything turns sort of sepia for a moment. And the narrator informs us, desert sand is sterile. Back to the action. <laughs> <laughs> Iggy's being very, being very placid for just coming into this cubicle with Joseph. He's a dog! What else is he going to do? But like, you know, he's got a heightened sense of smell. He's in a place with active shit. Is it really active, though, if it's immediately turned, like, to dust? Never know. I mean, he's probably just used... Well, I don't want to say he's used to he, it. Because he's normally quite cantankerous, but he's just, you know, just yeah. being there, being... Calm. Yeah. He's not trying to eat anyone's gum. I'm not Polnareff, but I'll wait for a hotel, says Joseph. And he starts walking away. He's walking away, and something, something unusual catches his eye. On this rock that's next to the It's kind of a boulder. Yeah, like a boulder. There's this weird electrical outlet. Granted, that's unusual. It is bizarre. It's atypical. It is very bizarre, I would say. (laughs) So he's like, that's a strange sight even in Egypt. A power point in a rock? This makes no sense. It couldn't (laughs) even be wired. He's just looking at this thing and monologuing. So he walks on up to it. I'm gonna touch it. And he touches it. And he gets massively electrocuted. Which, I mean, that just seems downright unsafe. Huge sparks shoot out of it. He is launched bodily backwards. Uh, and after wanders over, he's like, hey, what's the matter? Uh, nothing's the matter. I'm good. Yeah, he, he picks himself up and, uh, you know, we, we see a shot of the fo- of the, uh, the socket, which is uh, smoking. God, Another one of Jojo's Bizarre Adventures' famous references to the mask. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, does this is this the bit where it disappears in a puff of smoke? Um, I think Avdol someone says, "Oh, they have electricity here. Strange, surreal. How very surreal." Yeah, it's Joseph, actually, yeah. Mm. Then cut to Maria on a cliff face that's just overlooking where they were smoking, <laughs> and also smoking because she's God, the whole thing else. is she's meant to be kind of hot. Uh, yeah, because she is obviously. She's sitting there smoking. Uh, smoking. Uh, and she's like, oh, men, they always want to touch what's off limits. Then she clicks and the thing vanishes. <gasps> In a puff of smoke. A narrative playing card thing shoots out of her. And uh, the narrator informs us, Bastet uses name Maria. Is it Maria? Mariah. Mariah. Here we go. Because, okay, let's get into this now. Oh my God, etc., etc. <laughs> Start with uh, Bastet from ancient Egypt. Bastet. The... God often depicted with the head of a cat. Just a cat, not like a cool sounding cat. Well, that's her later form. So Bastet, also known as Bast, 
Which makes sense right. because as we were navigating the Crunchyroll menu, we were seeing, hang on, why is episode one of this two-parter Bastet's Mariah and the second half is just Bast's Bast. Mariah? You can't change the name of a god. Yeah. As Bast, she was the goddess of warfare in Lower Egypt, the Nile River Delta region before the unification of cultures of ancient Egypt. Name also translated as Bast, Ubast, and Basset. Nice. In Greek mythology, she was also known as Iluros, Greek for cat. The uniting Egyptian cultures had deities that shared similar roles and usually the same imagery. In Upper Egypt, Sekhmet was the parallel warrior-lioness deity. Often similar deities merged into one with unification, but that did not occur with these due to their strong roots in their cultures. Instead, they began to diverge. Bast had transformed from a lioness warrior deity into a uh, major protector deity represented as a cat. Hmm. Domains of Bastet include uh, cats, protection, joy, dance, music, and family. I like the idea that it starts with cats and then goes into war. Yeah. Major uh, cult centre is Bubastis, which is not, not an Egyptian, lo- ancient Egyptian location I'm familiar with. Mm. It's not not really your, your Thebes or no, Thebes, as it might also be known. It's not Thebes, <laughs> Thebes. Symbols include lion, cat, and the sistrum. The sistrum. The sistrum, which, as we all know, is a musical instrument of the percussion family, chiefly chiefly associated with ancient Iraq and Egypt. It consists of a handle and a U-shaped metal frame made of brass or bronze between 30 and 76 centimetres in width. When shaken, the small rings or loops of thin metal on its movable crossbars produce a sound that can be from a soft clank to a loud jangling. Obviously. Duh. Jeez. Yep. Yep. What? In some accounts, Bast's uh, consort is Anubis, and in others, Ptah. Oh. Oh, That's interesting. We've already had Anubis. (laughs) Parents were Ra and Isis. Oh, wow. Really? uh, In some accounts, Isis. Okay. All right. In some accounts. Yeah. Lots of cats. Lots of cats on the Wikipedia page. Her name was associated with the lavish jars in which Egyptians stored their ointment used as perfume. The step thus gradually became regarded as the goddess of perfumes, earning the title of Perfumed Protector. Which sounds almost like a sort of Sailor Moon type hero. Go, Perfumed Protector! It's me, the Perfumed Protector, Sailor Moon. The Tick just walks out and is like, okay, look, this is not good. There's a new The Tick show out. There is. Peter Serafinovich as The Tick. Yeah. But he's not doing his good, good voice. So he's doing some sort of American accent from what I've seen in the trailer, which I don't don't like as much. Oh, that's annoying. I like his voice. Voice of Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace. Mm. You mean the really, like, hella deep one? The one that barely spoke. Yeah. In connection with this, when Anubis became the god of embalming, Bastet came to be regarded as his wife for a short period of time. Citation needed. (laughs) <laughs> Bastet was also depicted as the goddess of protection against contagious diseases and evil spirits. Like, say, that caused by the curse of Tutankhamun. <gasps> now, in terms of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure... Go on. We're dealing with uh, the Stand Bastet. Now, the Stand Bastet, from what I can tell, controls some kind of... <laughs> is an electrical outlet. <laughs> yeah, it's an electrical outlet. Now, we... Is this the part... Actually, we can talk about the stand a bit because we see it's powers Okay, so use. yes, what we see in this episode is that having been electrocuted, Joseph begins to attract metal. He yeah. becomes a magnet. He becomes like a giant self-correcting magnet thing with only one pole. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He becomes a magnet. But then is the stand inside of him? No, it's just sort of affected him, I think. As he says, he's under its spell. And also yeah. under the spell of that smoking white-haired lass, Whoosh. Mariah. Oh, Mariah. What a lass. Araki has this to say about Bastet. I do wonder what would happen... Uh, oh, this is poorly written. I do wonder what would happen a person became a magnet. <laughs> Sorry, I do wonder what would happen if a person became a magnet. That just sounds more like a bad wiki article. <laughs> it was around this time I was writing about Nikola Tesla in the manuscript to The Lives of the Eccentrics, and I was pretty interested in electromagnetism at the time. What's The Lives of the Eccentrics? Well, I'm glad you asked, Nicholas. Oh. That is a uh, series of short stories written by Araki and illustrated by him and his assistant Hirohisa Onokubo. Uh, cool. So... Each chapter features a uh, different story around a famous eccentric or bizarre real-life person. I'm not surprised including, it's a bizarre uh, real-life person. History's greatest hitting machine, Ty Cobb. <laughs> okay. Oliver's turn-of-the-century showman, Yoshio Ko. Uh-huh. The real-life ultimate choice of Typhoid Mary. <laughs> I'm sorry? Yeah. 
the real ultimate choice of Typhoid Mary. You know Typhoid Mary? Carrier no. of Typhoid? Nope. Okay, she was like a washerwoman, I think. Or some she 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 was a carrier, a non non symptomatic carrier for typhoid who famously mm-hmm. infected a lot of people with typhoid unknowingly. Oh, was this before they knew it was symptomless? Before? Yeah, I think so. I see. Oh, she was a cook. That's right. She's a cook. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. House of Mystery Expanded. Winchester Mystery House. (laughs) Now, this is something we've discussed at length on my other podcast. The Winchester Mystery House is a uh, house that has developed uh, in response to the increasing paranoia and mental mental illness of a woman whose name escapes me. Um... And is not listed in this article. Uh, <laughs> the widow, the widow of William Winchester of Winchester Guns, oh, who became increasingly seized by the delusion that she was being haunted by the ghosts of people who had been killed with the company's guns, yeah, and that in order to bamboozle these geists, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, commissioned constant construction of her house of things like doors that didn't lead anywhere and staircases that just went up and stopped and. <laughs> Hidden, <laughs> hidden rooms. So it's kind of and like she, she came be of the belief that if construction ever stopped, she would be ghosted. Killed. Right. So it's like a house to fool the supernatural. Yeah, it's a house to trick ghosts. But what happens if they just walk through the when walls? It, ghosts aren't real. Oh shit! <laughs> what? Are there any other eccentrics in there? There's uh, the brothers nobody knew, the Collier brothers. Okay, who I'm not familiar with. Let's see. Two brothers who are unremarkable except for their ex- obsessive hoarding, resulting in their house being full of junk and deadly traps to ward off intruders. Much like a uh, certain ancient pharaoh you, you and I know. Yeah. <laughs> His name starts with Tutan, maybe? And finally, the genius who made Edison cower, Nikola Tesla. <gasps> I know him. Yeah. He was fucking crazy. Have you ever heard about his idea of trying to, like, transport... Um, electrical energy across large distances with those giant Tesla coils. No, but he was in the first episode of another show we watched on my other podcast uh, about a a detective named Murdoch who was really into science and stuff. And in the first episode, Murdoch and Tesla invent um, both radio transmission and um, secret recording devices using this passing technology being the size of a briefcase. Oh my God. Of course they do. Now, this is all well and good. Yeah. But, um... Who the fuck is Mariah? Well, Mariah, or Maria, as I like to say, even, uh, though, even though we've now figured out that's objectively it's wrong. completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Draws her name from Mariah Carey. <gasps> I know her. Yeah, she's a, a very famous American singer-songwriter. Hell of a diva. Sure. Any f- familiar with any of her, her work in particular, Nikki? I know. Oh, there's that one song that she did ages ago. Um, it was just everywhere when we were, like, quite young. Um... Shit, what was it? Can't remember. But I know that she had a song. I am also drawing a blank, but of course it's Mariah Carey. It's Mariah Everyone Carey. knows Mariah yeah. Carey. She's been around long enough that you yeah. just go, oh, Mariah Carey. She's ubiquitous. Yeah, she is. Does she um do like frequent gigs in Vegas now? I don't know, man. Oh. I, I don't really follow her career. Oh, okay. I know Celine oh, Dion. Yeah. Um, like... January 15, 2015, Carrie announced her number one's residency at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. There you go. So you can't tell us we didn't have any real facts about Mariah Carey. <laughs> it's just, we get so many tweets just coming in that are like, Hey guys, can you talk a bit more about Mariah Carey? <laughs> I found I found your Ooh, analysis. She was in the Lego Batman movie. What? Let's see who has. I'm sorry. Also, don't mess with the Zohan. <laughs> she has had a widespread career. Mariah Carey as Maya McCaskill? Right. Who's Mayor McCaskill? Some sort of mayor, I'd warrant. Hmm. Some sort of mayor of Gotham City? Oh, probably, yeah. That's a good point. List of mayors of Gotham City is what that redirects to. (laughs) They got all these mayors, but only one police commissioner? Jesus. Gotham really needs to sort his shit out. So, Mariah. Mariah. She is... She's a femme fatale. Yep. As you were fond of saying. She is a femme fatale. Emphasis on the femme. Very femme. That's gonna sound really bad can we stop doing that oh so she's a femme fatale she's a femme fatale don't Uh, trust her i mean she'll lure you into some sort of trap she is uh some kind of demon woman she's some sort of black magic woman she's some sort of witchy woman (laughs) she's got a spell on me or more accurately joseph joestar so she's on this hill smoking she clicks the socket vanishes cut to at some sort of riverside cafe in Egypt, as the gang are all drinking Coca-Cola. <laughs> and it has to be cold, otherwise Joseph wouldn't be drinking it. Of course, it. of course. Yeah, naturally. Yeah. 
they're like, okay, if we keep traveling, we can get to Cairo in two days. But maybe we want to take this opportunity to rest for a bit because things have been pretty intense lately. Dudes have been getting stronger. I've all got that neck wound. Kakuin got blinded. We've barely been winning. Like, maybe we should just chill for a day. Yeah, every single one of the Egyptian god stands that have attacked them has been so fearsome that they've barely come through. I mean, that makes sense. These are Egyptian gods. We have a silent pause to acknowledge the fact that they never knew Oingo and Boingo were trying to kill them. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. Although they came very close to death. Not that they ever knew. That orange, man. Oh. 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 My God. Joseph is a little distracted because his prosthetic hand's acting up a bit. Why, what could be doing that? Certainly not the magnetism we discussed about five minutes ago. Not caused by Mariah, who we definitely gave real facts about. Oh, huh. And then one of the Coke bottle cans is stuck to the back of it. He's like, hmm. Let's get rid of that. Yeah, yeah. Also, there's a radio playing nearby, but it's just shooting out irritating static. And Ponorath's getting really angry about it. He's like, can you just turn that thing, like... Off or something. I don't know why it's broken. It's made in Japan and I just bought it. The Japanese industry is one of the finest quality out there. Yeah. Japan, currently in a boom economy in the late 80s, producing a lot of electrical goods for the worldwide. I wonder how As depicted in Yakuza Zero. I wonder how future parts of Jojo will deal with its inevitable decline. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go find a hotel. Okay, great. Then as they were all walking off, uh, we, we noticed a number of things that give us our first hints about the magnetism problem. Immediately I was like... I am fucking sold on this. First, Joseph also has a heap of bottle caps stuck to his back. They're all like scattered across the back of the shirt. Yep. Jacket thing. Most tellingly, the metal bottle opener that was left on the on the table just sort of that's moving, sliding, crawl, yeah, sliding <gasps> along the table, falls off the table, slides along the floor to a little ridge in the ground, at which point it presses up against that ridge in the direction of Joseph. <gasps> What does it mean? And then finally, as they get far enough away, the radio's like, hey, my radio works again. Yay. Oh my God, it must be. Dun, 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 dun. Electricity. Dun, 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 dun. That's what it is. They keep walking. There's a guy building a box and he's, he, he gets the worst of it of maybe all of the bystanders <laughs> they just go by that have horrible misfortune happen to yeah, them. Yeah, this, this guy is not lucky. <laughs> so he's making this box. He's got a hammer in one hand. He's got a nail in the other. He's got some spare nails in his mouth. Now that would be safe. Yeah. If there were no magnets nearby. Mm. It's like that big room at UWA that you can't wear a watch in because the giant magnet will kill you. Oh, I remember that room. Yeah, no, it's a terrifying room. Yeah. (laughs) I never had to go into that building, so. Is that the chemistry building? I think so. No one cares. Literally no one will know (laughs) what we're talking about. Let's just say it's a big ass magnet. So he's got nails in his mouth and then things get worse as the nails go in his mouth. So Joseph walks by behind him. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my hammer seems to be a bit heavy. Oh, the nail in my hand is twitch. Oh no, the nails in my mouth are entering my mouth and stabbing into my mouth. Oh no, they're trying to come out my cheek as this wanderer moves yep. by, but I'm not making the connection because I'm an encounter. He lets go, because of all the pain, he lets go of the hammer in his hand, which flies through the air towards the back of Joseph's head <gasps> to be caught by Avdol, who is like, hey man, you shouldn't throw your hammer around. That's a dumb move. And he's like, it hurts, it hurts. And Panama's like, oh, did you hit your pinky? Be responsible, man. You can't just go throwing hammers around Jesus. So they haven't noticed that nails are sticking out of his cheek. And they just keep walking, and that's a wrap on that guy. He had a sad fate. Yeah. I mean, unless he put a bandage on his cheek or something, Mm -hmm. then he's probably okay. Yep. They do have bandages in Egypt. I mean, it's not a massive thing, but shit, man. Shit. That's a... Yeah, it's a sad Cut to the next morning. <gasps> oh, everything's okay again. Joseph's sleeping in. Ponoref's getting really angry at him from downstairs and outside. <laughs> He's like, come on, hurry up, man. I want to go eat some breakfast. God, you're so old. They're meant to wake up early. And of course he shares a room with Avdol. So Avdol's in there like, hey, Ponoref's downstairs fussing about getting breakfast. And then from outside we hear, tell him to be down here in five minutes. Joseph is like, oh. I think his exact words were, what a rude little shit. Avdol then remarks that, oh, you know, it's pretty impressive, though. You started sleeping facing uh, south, and now you're facing north. Yeah. Isn't that funny? So we see that he is, uh, his head is towards the base of his bed rather than the head frame. Ooh. Ooh spooky. Also, his watch has stopped. Now, at this point, <laughs> he's, uh, he's performing his morning ablutions, and he's putting on his, his shirt... And I remarked to you that maybe he would have noticed all this magnetism stuff sooner if he didn't wear the same clothes day in, day out. <laughs> because he's putting on the shirt, and as he's putting it on, we see that the back is still covered in bottle caps and 
other bullshit. Hey, man, you know. Or was he wearing it all the whole time and we just yeah, see his yeah. back now? Yeah, we just yeah, see his back right. now. If yeah. he had taken off the shirt, he would have been like, huh, why is all this metal stuff on the back of my shirt? And now why is it being attracted towards me? Nah, man. He's an old man. He wouldn't have made that connection. It's, he's canny, though. It's like his defining trait. <laughs> I mean, I guess. But, you know, he's old now. So he's looking at the window and then a chair bumps into his back and he sort of thoughtlessly pushes it away. Uh, it's this weird metal chair. What now, you think he would have cottoned on after the first time. But no, uh, he keep, he's walking towards the edge of exit of the room and the chair hits him again and he's like, huh, it's almost like I've become a magnet. <laughs> but he still doesn't feel that he's a magnet just yet. Not Instead. until the doorknob opens and hits him in the head. Oh no, that's not even then. His oh, yeah. mark there is, hmm, maybe the entire like level of the building is off. Yeah. I Gosh, mean, it, was... it looks fancy, but they must have built it on the cheap. God. These Egyptian craftsmen wouldn't know how to build a building. Whoa. The joke I mean, is of the pyramids. Nice. Nice. That's a good reference. That's a good reference. <laughs> not really. I mean, they did like kind of not work the best at first. So he's walking. And there are these ladies talking about wanting to go do some Egyptian tourist stuff. Oh my god, we're going to go check out the necropolis. Yeah, let's go to the Valley of Queens. Or maybe it was great seeing Karnak Temple the other day. Let's go check out something like that. Yes, let's go there as well. And then they yeah, just sort of... That's what I sound like, the second lady. <laughs> yeah, I'm the second lady. Hey, it's a me, Mario. How you going? <laughs> sure. Because that's what Mario sounds like. Yippee. So as he's walking past them, metal buttons or clasps or... Just decoration. Uh, oh, yeah. I think they're buttons that have been sewed in. Mm, on her like, skirt. Yeah, at the very bottom. Attracted Joseph's magnetic bod. <gasps> and oh, no. Well, could this mean that the skirt's going to just go up yeah, a little bit classic, too much? Classic sort of pervert Japanese anime flip-up skirt manoeuvre, but not by his own volition. It's a complete misunderstanding. They get really angry at him and he has to escape. And then he's walking down the hallway again. There's this old lady and it happens again, but she's into it. She's a dirty bird. <laughs> she's a dirty, dirty She's like, bird. wow, what a forward aggressive approach. You're just my... T-. And because she's old and ugly, Joseph's like, oh my God, and runs away. And she goes in for the smooch, but it's too late. Yeah. He's, he's gone. gone. It's too late. He's seen everything. On the grass. Hey. <laughs> Something's really strange. Things have been off since last night. Smash cut to forks flying at him as he passes a, a room service cart. He grabs... Well, doesn't grab... They hit his mechanical yeah. hand. And then a heap of knives and other cutlery fly at him and he has to run. Oh no, I'm a magnet. I think I'm a magnet. And as he's running, he, he narrowly avoids a bunch of knives hitting him, but all these forks stick into his back. Oh no! I've heard of animal magnetism, but this is ridiculous. Never again. So he escapes the hallway and he ends up on an escalator. And we, the viewer, with our uh, sort of knowledge of dramatic irony, uh, see that... We do have a knowledge of dramatic irony. Ahead of him, below on the... (laughs) Why is that so funny? It's It's not something you would normally say in any... It's like... We, the audience, with our knowledge of dramatic irony... We see that he's gotten on this escalator, and who should be further ahead on the down escalator of him but Mariah. <gasps> oh my god. Maria. <laughs> it's Maria. <laughs> so he's on this escalator, and he's like, Boy, it's a good thing I escaped from all that magnetism. Oh no, the escalator's made of steel, and the magnets are getting stronger by the minute. This what am bad. I going to do? At this point, Mariah's sort of, for lack of a better word, attack is pretty cool here. Because she's wearing, as we've described her last week, she's got all these sort of cords with rings on them. Yeah, they're sort of like little beads that are hanging off her, um, yeah. her very short skirt. Sure. Uh, her miniskirt, as Joseph calls it. Yes, the miniskirt. Um, and they start kind of elongating. Well, the, the metal is attracted to Joseph, of course. Of course. Uh, and But like the cords become longer. Well, maybe there's they just concealed length in her Ooh, maybe. In, in her coat. Maybe. Or maybe it's sort of elastic cord. Who knows? So anyway, the metal stretches out, hits Joseph, wraps around it, and I think she drops the other ends into the escalator. Cunning. So he's being sucked into the escalator. Uh, Which, and- as we all know, is the one true fear we have as children. Yeah, yeah exactly. Once, once when I was a child, uh, my shoelace had come undone on an escalator, and it got sucked into the very end, and... Uh, my shoelace was getting inexorably tighter and tighter around my foot, and that was quite scary. 
Was it like a slow kind of grind, or was it you just yeah, being yeah, like, was, "Oh my god, it's gonna crush me"? Slow grind. Oh, and of course, being a child, I had the fear all children have of being sucked under the escalator. So that was that was a little close to comfort. Did you take off your shoe? I think uh, my dad or my mum or whoever was there just sort of ripped out the the shoelace with their, with their <laughs> with their adult strength. And they're just like, man, you got to be more careful. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. I think my finger also got stuck in it when I was trying to fix it too. So what? that was turning red. Oh, Not in Jesus. the escalator, in the shoelace tightening. Oh, okay. All right. Jesus Christ. That, was, that was traumatic. Yeah, no, that'd be fucking terrifying. <laughs> Never trust an escalator. Yeah. So he's being dragged in and he's like, hey, lady, lady in the miniskirt, can you push the emergency stop button? I'm in some trouble here. And she... She turns around. She with... doesn't turn around. Oh. She just lets her cigarette fall to the floor. <gasps> Could it be that this woman is the stand user? And she's, he's like, help, help. It'll chop off my hands and feet. Just like what almost happened to Liam when he was a kid. And she just says, enjoy, Joseph Joestar. <gasps> yeah, she's hell of a stand user. You're the stand user. Ooh. Once you're ensnared by, my, ensnared by my Bastet's magic energy, there's no way to break the spell. But you're so hot, you can't be. Oh no! So she leaves. She she tries to pose and leaves. He just she doesn't let him see her face though. We see the side, but with the hood yeah, on. Yeah, we see her in profile, but that hood hiding her identity. Certainly not a bright red hood and a shock of white hair would be enough to identify her by. No man, everyone in Egypt wears a bright red hood and a shock of white hair. What are you talking about? So Joseph has a kind of a comical moment here in his direst hour, mm. where he's like. Oh, I'll just push the emergency stop button with my hermit purple. And he stretches it out towards the front of the escalator and starts feeling like, there's no emergency stop button. And, and we can clearly see from our perspective, with our knowledge of dramatic irony, <laughs> that the mm. emergency stop button is just a little bit further around the corner. And he's just given, I haven't declared there to be not one. If it's not on the front, it's nowhere. Yeah. Which probably means that in America, all the emergency stop buttons have been... On the front. Or in, Japan. or in Japan. Or in Japan, they've all been on the front. And this one's on the side. Or it might not mean that. But it Who does knows? seem like a pretty poor decision to put it on the side around the corner where someone trapped in some sort of devil escalator situation couldn't... Couldn't hit it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tightening. He's in trouble. And then huh, our dog comes along and presses it. Then Joseph keeps freaking out <laughs> for about five minutes. Because, I mean, he can't feel it. As we all know, it's the placebo effect of, oh no, it's happening. So therefore... And also just panic. Yeah, just pure panic. Where so like, it's, it's one of those classic bits where he's like, oh, it's going to cut my head off. This is the end. I'm going to die. And Abdul's like, um, <clears throat> Joseph. Mr. Joseph. Joseph. Oh, it's my head. I'm going to die. Joseph. Uh, Joseph. Joseph. Jo silence. And all these people have gathered around at his writhing and screaming. He picks himself up somehow quite easily now. Aha. The inspection has gone just as planned. Yes. The elevator inspection. What's going on? <laughs> uh, Could you please sign this book to verify the inspection? Joseph, what, what the hell is going on? The enemy. I'm under the spell of an enemy stand. Magnets, how do they work? That's an excellent question. At this point, uh, he's, he's describing what we've seen happen. I, I suspect this may have been the start of a new chapter and they had to recap the situation. <laughs> the enemy's nearby. I've become a magnet. you become a magnet? Yes. Yes. You see, the way magnets work is they attract nearby metal. To explain. <laughs> well, there's this guy called Magneto, inventor of the magnet. And a metal ashtray flies across the room, hits Joseph in the back of the head, and ash goes poof. Ugh, that's like old ash. Yeah. And like that weird sand that they put in there. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Anywho. <laughs> Joseph gets a sh gets, gets, catches sight of Maria lurking nearby, and he's like, there she is, let's get her. So they chase Maria. That's right. <laughs> she chuckles and runs. Uh, as they're running, uh, a big gold bust nearly falls on Avdol. So he catches it. He's like, obviously oh, by go the ahead breast. without me. Obviously by the breast, because, you know, it has to be funny. Catching the bust by the bust. Nice. And I'm doing a lot of, like, snappy moments. Yeah, it sounds really bad. Damn it. <laughs> they round a corner and, the ladies' room. What will they do? This is a socially awkward situation. Yeah. One which etiquette cannot get past. <laughs> Well, Joseph is no stranger to peeping on the ladies' room, as we recall from part two. But he has never gone in one. Ooh. That's well, the key. First time for everything, they barge on in. Oh, there are so many occupied stalls here. What will we do? Hmm. We'll have to check them one by one. This whole scene, Avdol is the least composed we've ever seen him. Well, he's a very, like, you know, like, uh, gracious man. Yeah. You know? He's got a lot of, you know, gentlemanly, gallant kind of qualities about him. Well, he's very... Uh, this, is, this is well outside his wheelhouse. Yeah, very honourable man. And now he's just like, we need to go into the ladies' room. Gasp. And look but honour. 
but the honor of the ladies will be tarnished. So they start checking underneath. Because yeah. Joseph's like, she had amazing legs. When you know her legs, you'll see it. So let's, let's check the stalls for her legs. So they check the first stall. No. Too, too big. Uh, they check the second stall. Too small. Too small. They check the third stall. Weird pantsuit. I mean, just right, but wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so they check the next stall. Oh, oh amazing legs. Well, 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 those legs go all the way up. I mean, they are a bit shaky, but oh, you know. Look at those gams. God damn. Those are... Cankles. <laughs> no, no, not a thing that is relevant in this context. <laughs> look at those pins. Those are... Those trotting sticks. Yeah. Those legs in that toilet stall. Yeah. Legs for days. Those legs, they go for some sort of calendar unit. Ooh, I mean, there's probably an SI unit to describe their length. Mm, yeah. And I'm not talking about distance. I don't know what that is. It's a standard unit. Okay. Talk standardized to me. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, long story short. It's not her. The other three stores open up to reveal women still sitting on the toilet somehow. So I think Joseph walks along and the magnetism... Oh. As right. he's walking along, forces the little clasp to That's, come back. I probably picked that up on a previous viewing, but it slipped by me this time. Which yes. I fucking love, because he walks by and they're all like, chink, chink, chink. Yeah. Like, I thought it was oh. just like terrible timing. No, no, no. Yeah. So that's funny, Yeah. I guess. So they, so they, they all slowly three women, open. Yeah, sitting on the toilet and they're like, oh. That's not cool, bro. And Don't. the fourth one opens. It's the old lady from before. And she's like, oh. You're so aggressive and forward. Here, let's fuck in the bathroom. It's not her! Oh, shit! So what they do is they they see a nearby exterior window. And they fucking like it. They leap through the glass. <laughs> it's not even like a, open it up and then get out. It's Just, like a... Oh, because the other women started screaming, of course. Oh, of course, naturally. So they're, they're leaping through the air and they must have been on like the second floor or something. Because I thought it was like, oh, they must have been like way up there. Because like they are really going for yeah. it. And as they're screaming, the women are like, pervert. And the old lady's like, no, you're wonderful, blah, blah, blah. That's not important. What is important is that Avdol is like, this is not in line with my brand. <laughs> bathroom disaster is more Polnareff sort of thing. The necessary Polnareff bathroom joke. Yeah. Actually, we've had like three so yeah. far. I really like how concerned Avdol is with his personal image in this episode. <laughs> it's, it really sort of links up with our idea that when he came back from being dead, he was like, yeah, I'm going to be new and fresh. <laughs> I'm going to, like, market myself the right way yeah, this time. Yeah, hot, cool. Tisk tisk. <laughs> you know, kids, I'm a cool, young Egyptian man. Yeah, I'm the sort of Egyptian man who would never poop perv around in a bathroom. Oh, no! <laughs> All my merchandise. I've never, nor will I, perv in a bathroom. <laughs> the shirt. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, uh, we notice that they're not on the second floor. They're on the ground floor. Yeah. They so, land. So uh, they just land. Just... Normally. Dramatic jumping for a surprisingly small distance. Yeah. You look at where the window is and it's barely at like, I don't know, hip height. Yeah. So Mariah's over there. She runs, they chase. And they're like, oh no, we need to get her. Hey, Avdol, I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but if you see an electrical outlet, don't touch it because magnets. Oh, uh, this is awkward, I will admit. But when um, I was saving you from that escalator, there was I, an electrical outlet next to the emergency stop button. I mean... And it shocked me. Ah... Uh, I don't want to say I fucked up, but I might have fucked up. Yeah. So they're running and they're like, hey, stop hey, running so close to me. Why, why are you running so close to me, buddy? And, and we're doing this in real life as we... If you can't hear the rubbing. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. What a forward and aggressive <laughs> rub. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh no, we're both magnets. And magnets both attract each other. That's how magnets work. Sure. <laughs> Let's go with that, shall you we? You know, magnets, they stick together. They do. Sometimes, yeah, sure, okay. Opposites are true. Well, I guess they are opposites. Yeah, one of them's black. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. You heard it here first, I'm everyone. Sorry, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that was crass. Black is the opposite of what? Oh, shit. Well, that well I mean, when you works. put it in terms like that, yes, yeah. but maybe not in genetic terms. Black people are the opposite of white people. Yeah, that's not going to fly, Liam. That's, that's not going to fly. Uh, should I edit this whole bit out? No, you're keeping it in so we all hear your mistake. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. That was beneath our show to... I don't know. That's it. Liam's off. It's just me now. I don't know what exactly me. I did, but it was something crass involving race and I regret <laughs> it. Uh, I, think you, I think you did something that I would never do. Well... <laughs> You did something so blatantly unforgivable that you're off the show. She's walking away and they're getting tripped up at, tripped up amongst each other and they're like, this enemy, she's so strong. We're magnets now. But she's a femme fatale. And she turns into profile and poses and laughs and <laughs> her face is still in shadows and to be continued. 
How are they going to get out of this? How will they overcome the, her animal magnetism? I mean, could they just stop walking next to each other? Could Avdol just shoot a heap of fire at her right now? Why don't they just hug her from up, like opposite sides? And crush her to death? Yeah. Grizzly. But we'll get to that in due course. <laughs> Nick, what are your highlights and lowlights for this episode? Okay, the highlight for me was that exact moment where I realised that he was a magnet. Because, like, the radio not working, I was like, hmm... That could be anything at this point. Yeah, that could be, like, a number of things. And then as soon as you see the Coke bottles on the back, you're like, wait. Magnets. magnets. Magnetizing him with the... And then it's messing with the... Re- <gasps> oh my god, he's a yeah. magnet. Water, fire, air, and dirt. Fucking magnets. How do they work? Are you trying to rap magnets? I'm pretty sure that's how the insane clan posse song goes. Miracles. First it's racism, and now this. <laughs> I mean... You're, just, you're on a downhill decline. Nick, I don't appreciate what you're doing to my brand this episode. <laughs> Does this not reflect your image? No, um, racist disaster is more your sort of thing. It's true, I am more of a racist disaster. Anyway, what's your highlight? Uh, good question. I don't... No, I don't know. Could it possibly be? With the knowledge think, of dramatic irony. I think it's the irony. cool, um... Mariah ahead of him on the escalator, dropping her cigarette and gloating as he mm. gets ensnared in her, her snares. In her, uh... Charm slash Ropes. spider's web. <laughs> I mean, it is a bit of a spider's Welcome web. Welcome to my parlor, Mariah said to Joseph. Yeah, okay, I, I don't care. I'm actually trapped on this escalator. Yeah. If you could just help me out here, that'd be great. Low lights. I mean, I want to say Polnareff giving him shit for not being awake. Because it's just like, okay, all right. Why is Polnareff I, giving I, him I shit? I enjoyed that. My low light is uh, just the uh, the pretty intense close-up of just poo drying out in the <laughs> desert and, and blowing away. True, true. That's not a yeah. That's not a fun sight. No, but it really like hammers. Educational. How bad it is. Yeah. Entertainment. Entertainment. Hey, Nikki boy. Yo. Want to ask you what do you think is going to happen next time uh, on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part Three: Status Crusaders? Basts Mariah. Basts Mariah, not Bastets. Yeah. Part hmm. two. Hmm. Bast's Mariah Part 2. Maria. <sighs> Marigold. Uh, well, sure. I figure they're now both magnetised to one another. Yep. So the first thing they're going to have to do is figure out how to not be magnetised to one another. Right. They'll turn their head to their feet or things like that. Yeah. So they'll have to... I don't know. Because poles. Yeah, poles. <gasps> Polnareff. No. Um, so either Iggy, Polnareff and Jotaro are going to show up and be like, Yara, Yara, what are you doing, you idiots? And just like force them apart. Uh, and then Polnareff will be like, don't you get it? Soviet chariot. Soviet chariot. Soviet chariot is metal, you fools. But I don't think that'll... I think this is going to be more of a Joseph and, and she'll use her magnet powers to control Silver chariot and make him fight them. Exactly. So I don't think Polnareff is going to show up. I think... It's going to be more of a Joseph Avdol adventure. That makes sense. So they're going to figure it out on well, the road. We, we skipped over it, but we did get a cutaway um, back with Jotaro and Polnareff waiting still on the street outside being like, what's taking them so long? And uh, Polnareff's like, <gasps> what if? What if they went to a really good breakfast place without us? Yeah, good one, Polnareff. Good one. Um, Polnareff, the one who goes off and gets attacked by himself <laughs> all the time, doesn't suspect that maybe the guys who have gone off by themselves are being attacked. Well, no, because obviously they're safe. Like, um, no, I think it's going to be Joseph and Avdol heavy. I mean, Kakuin could show up. No, because the thing at the start of the episode specifically established, it'll be a while still before. Still, like, you know, when they say a while, it could it is be the, one It of is the next day now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it is the Speedwagon Foundation with their advanced medical technologies. Yeah. No, I reckon what the... Okay, the first thing that's going to happen is Jofus is going to be like... Jo- yeah. Jofus. Jofus. Jofus is going to be like, all right, time for Hermit Purple. Wachung, trip up El Lady, because Hermit Purple isn't magnet, so, you know. Either that or Magician's Red will just pop out and just be like, uh, no, I'm having a great time. Fuck you. Uh, and so she'll just be like, whoa. I'm dead up. now. I'm I'm a lady, guys. Don't be hitting a lady. And they'll be like, man, don't hit a lady. Avdol Actually, will be like, oh, hitting a lady is not in line with my image. Yeah, I'm just thinking, would Avdol be willing to hit her? Because I think he has before. He's hit some, like, evil lady before. No. No? No, that hmm. hasn't happened. Hmm, and interesting. Because he's very squeamish about going to the ladies' room. Yeah. So imagine if this, like, you can't hit a lady. Every every second arc for the character Sanji in One Piece is like, I have to fight a lady, but I love ladies and I don't want to hit them, so I'll lose. Dude, everyone loves that ladies. That happens, like, I dipped out on that show, like, five years ago, but that happened several times by then. <laughs> Dude, everyone loves ladies. Everyone loves gents. Don't hit people. 
Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> anyway, so the point being. Hey guys, this is a JoJo's World PSA. Don't hit people. <laughs> Just don't. It's not nice. Unless they're attacking you with stands. Yeah. Then fuck them up. But of course, you need your stand to battle their stand. True. Don't fight each other directly. Just fight for your stance. Yeah. Okay, so I reckon what's going to happen is it'll be more interesting uses of Hermit Purple. Jodor and Polnareff might show up. It's very unlikely, but they might show up and help them out. Because if they do show up, Silver Chariot's just going to get magnetized and then it's, you know... It's going to be Anubis all over again. Exactly. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, but how are they going to stop being magnetized to one another? I'm not sure. Other than killing her. Once you get my... Bast spell, it's unbreakable. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's gonna be they work together so well that Oh, they have to like um like a three legged race. You know that improv game where um one person speaks and the other person um does the Yeah, thing. does their hands from behind yeah. their back, it's gonna be like that. Yeah. Oh, from like whose line is it anyway? The thing where they get the audience I don't watch members. That, but to, maybe. It's like they get audience members. And then they're the ones with the arts, with the audience members bring all their stuff with them. Oh, okay. So then they're like, yeah, we're going to need this. And it's just like some random object in their like purse or wallet. Sure. And it just goes on and on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be that. It's going to be that. No. Um. Yeah, so they're going to have to figure out a way to band together in sync to attack her. Yeah. Because, you know, the fact that they're together, probably not the biggest issue if they can work together. But can they work together? That's they might just save the world. Will you help? Oh! Crunchyroll ads. Oh god, so many Crunchyroll ads. Anyway, okay, good good stuff, Nick. Yeah. Comprehensive. I've got some listener correspondence for you. <gasps> Yay! I love listener correspondence. We've had a few emails coming in last, uh, over the last couple of weeks, actually, so it's going to take us a few weeks to get through the backlog, yes. but uh, here's a couple. This one comes from your German listener, Danny. Danny! <laughs> that was very Which, aggressive. of course, as we know, is the name of uh, Jonathan Joestar's dog. Ah. Oh. Hey boys, just wanted to say I love the show. The podcast is the highlight of my week getting this in it. And it seems I can never wait for the next episode. But you must. Your podcast <laughs> has really helped me get into JoJo. And now I'm caught up on everything. I was even able to get a couple of friends to watch the show. Now get them to listen to our podcast. I mean, this is the first step to success. <laughs> it's real fun. Also, I can't remember if you've talked about it, but there's quite some bizarre merch as well. Like a Swarovski Crystal Jotaro figure. And I can see your underwear boxes. You remember that series of hand movements they did? What? In the submarine? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Anyway, I just wanted to say good job and I'm a big fan of the show. Is this real merchandise that actually exists? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of merchandise came out for the, um, I can't go into details of it, obviously. Hmm. The villain of part four had a very particular outfit and like huh. they basically reproduced his tie and... Huh. The... Huh. There's also, I think I've talked about this on the show before, I really want, um, there are some limited edition pins that I've seen on eBay. Hmm. Uh, in Judge's Bizarre Adventure stylings. And the one that I really want is the To Be Continued Arrow. Oh, yes. It'd be so good. But yes, um, Swarovski Crystal Jotaro is maybe the gaudiest thing I've ever seen. Wait, I'm allowed me, to see it? Yeah, let me just pull it up for oh, you. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Always remember, my chastity must be maintained at all times. <laughs> Whoa, just what the crystal instead coat and hat. Oh my god. And of course, it goes without saying that... Um, They're not even like fake sequins or anything. No. They're just like crystals. Yeah. Jesus. Goes without saying, of course, that uh, all anime merchandising is inherently super exploitative and aimed <laughs> at selling to the smallest number of people at the highest possible price. Shit, man, I kind of want one. That's, uh, that is intense. He has very luscious lips as well. Well, that's Jodoro for you. Yeah. Includes 6,000 Swarovski crystal elements. Oh, God. That is a lot of crystal elements. But anyway, yeah, even the non-crystal instead versions of these figures are... Ludicrously expensive. Would we buy one? Is is this the episode where I go on my rant about anime merchandising, or are we saving that for later? No, go on, go on then. Just uh, I, this is probably a bad metaphor to the extent that it kind of undercuts my point. But they sort of take the same approach to selling merchandise as free-to-play games do with making money. Oh is, no, I yeah. Are you I familiar you. with the concept of the whale? Yes, the whale. Yeah. Who, there's always like ninety percent of people who will play the game for free, mm -hmm. or will you know watch, watch the, the anime, anime on Crunchyroll. And then there's the ten percent who have a shit ton of money who are like, holy shit, this is the best. Yeah. And they will drown the like developers or the makers of whatever. Now, I don't have much of it. I don't really have a problem with that in a game, but in terms of the anime industry or other media, when it comes to 
extending it to even say DVD releases where mm-hmm. you get three episodes for like forty dollars or whatever. Yeah, it just seems super gross and exploitative to me. I have a problem within the games industry and in the anime industry. Yeah, and every industry because it's nonsense. So anyway, that's my um, that's my anti-consumer practices in the anime industry <laughs> rant. <laughs> uh, if anyone wants to buy us that uh. That thing. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, send us all the Swarovski crystals we can drink. We'll make the figure. You send us the crystals. <laughs> and the Chaos Emeralds, of course. Oh, if you could send us the Chaos Emeralds. So yeah, I can I've got to um, uh, assemble uh, Chaos, the primordial evil that's going to drown the world. Mm, mm, yes. Was that primordial evil the giant lava? Like, it was the giant lava monster thing? It was made of like water and goop. It attacked in space, didn't it? No, you're thinking of the one from Sonic Adventure 2, and I'm thinking right. of the one from Sonic Adventure 1. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Understood. Sonic. <laughs> That's it. This email comes from Harrison. Hi, guys. Long-time fan and listener here. Hi, Harrison. How you going? After my sister, who had never really watched anime, immediately loved Cowboy Bebop when I showed it to her recently, I decided to try JoJo's Bizarre Adventure on her, too. We just passed the burning of the Joestar Manor in Phantom Blood. Good times. Good times. And she seems receptive, if a bit perplexed by the show's singular, singular nature. I love this. Like, she seems receptive. <laughs> Not pleased. Just, yeah, you know what? This is a show. Sure. Sure. In talking about the show to her, I tried relating it to other works that have had a major cultural impact in their areas. My best comparison so far is Doctor Who. Both are long-running sci-fi series, not afraid to be silly, cycle out characters and even protagonists regularly, and beyond their core fan bases, both have achieved a wide recognition in the general public. Hmm. Any thoughts or better examples come to mind? If nothing else, reading this email on the podcast will make it easier for my sister to watch more eps, smiley face. Yeah, that's, good work, that's goddamn right, you know, like, watch more eps all the time, that's... So let's... Yeah. So, okay, other things that in pop culture that are comparable to Joe's Adventure. Okay, well, it needs to have, like he said, switching out main protagonist mm-hmm. a lot. So Doctor Who's kind of iffy on that front because every season Jojo has a new protagonist, pretty much. Right. Um, or every part they have a new protagonist. I think it's roughly analogous to changing out the Doctor Who. I, they, they have their own personality traits. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, like, it's still the Doctor. Yeah. So you've still got the same main character. It's just that now that a completely different person with completely different appearance and but the same experiences. Exactly. It's, a, hmm. it's not a one to one, but it's roughly. Yeah. Analogous. We need something that's more like an anthology than changing out the main guy by just changing who they are, kind of thing. It kind of reminds me, in some ways, and I make this comparison a surprising amount, of um, some of the early Sailor Moon stuff, hmm. where basically at the end of at least the first few arcs, she would she and all of I think all of her friends would die. Uh, <laughs> and she would win and lose her memory. And then they would, all be reinc- they would all be reincarnated without their memories. And they would go through the whole sort of early stage fish out of water stuff for a bit. Is this why it kept happening? At least a couple of times, yeah. And they would I... get their memories back. God da- I remember when I was watching that as a kid on Cheese TV, as you do. Mm-hmm. Every time they like restarted everything, I was like, why don't they just use their powers? <laughs> like... Have they just forgotten everything? They did. They did forget. Okay. All right. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Um, so in terms of providing a jumping on point, that's mm. that's a, that's a different a different approach, but it's roughly analogous. Hmm. I'm just trying to think of like. And any of course, other... that is uh, probably the most influential magical girl type. Oh yeah. Well, in Western culture, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of any other show where the main protagonist changes like on a season basis. Because, I mean, Game of Thrones... No. Eh. Maybe there's anthology shows like True Detective, but apparently only the first yeah. season of that is good. Yeah, only the first season that is good, yeah. Anything like... Um, not X-Files. Why what about, X-Files? like, American Horror Story? Actually, yeah, American Horror Story is a good one, because every single season, it's a new... It's a completely new thing. Yeah. Like, it's a new theme that they go through. Mm-hmm. So you will have, like, The Haunted House, and then you'll have, like, The Weird Creepy Asylum, and then you'll have, like, The Circus. Yeah. So that's, like, pretty analogous. Because it's a bit like in JoJo's, you have... Part one is like mm-hmm. being a gentleman in the good oh, old you know, days. Oh, you know what I will say um, mm-hmm. is not exactly analogous in terms of trading out the protagonist so frequently, but uh, the Metal Gear series yeah. has, has its fair share of that sort of thing. It does. Because it's like... You're seeing um, a grander story unfold over time told mm-hmm. through smaller adventures with a variety of uh, viewpoint characters. Mm. And I mean, you do play as Snake 90% of the time. Well, but sure, but you're, but you're it's being... like different version. Well, without spoiling anything for anyone who hasn't played Metal Gear Solid. Which we've certainly done before in previous episodes. Yes. Uh, it's definitely not the same guy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a pretty good analogy. Mm. And Dark Souls. 
Yeah, but uh, that's, I think that's too different a form of storytelling for my, for my I mean, money. is it really storytelling or is it story learning? Hey. <laughs> so yeah, no, um, yeah, Doctor Who's a pretty good one though. Now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. I was trying to like get one better one and I was going to be like, yeah, I'm smart. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, that's not going to happen. Um, anyway, yeah, I hope your sister enjoys uh, going on this bizarre adventure. Uh, for my money, even though everything up to the burning of the Joestar Manor is quite different from what comes afterwards, I really like it. No, it's good. I really it's like great. all the sort of weird Victorian noir story that occurs up until that point. It's just, it's great. That, that entire that, part is great. That rugby match. Oh, that rugby match. Just anything involving uh, Dio pre-vampire is hilarious. Yeah. Anything involving Dio post-vampire is also hilarious. Although I haven't seen him recently. Post-stand. <laughs> mm. Now, uh, we also, I just remembered, got some correspondence via Twitter that we are going to address now because I, I have partially addressed it on Twitter and I want to, want to finish that off. Oh. So, um... It's like, why don't you guys get good? <laughs> why are you guys so terrible at everything, including the podcast? <laughs> uh, no, Sammy Fuller wants to know um, who our favourite characters are for each part. Uh, I have since answered for the spoilery parts okay. uh, on Twitter. But uh, parts one to three, who are you liking character-wise, Nikki? So this would be like one character per part? Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay, so in part one... I want to say I like Jonathan the most. Okay, that's interesting, because I want to say I like Dio the most. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're okay. sort of at cross-purposes here. Yeah, Inevitably, like... we'll destroy each other in some sort of boat battle. We're like two different men. We're like two sides of the same coin. No. I was born in great wealth, and you were born in squalor and clawed your way into my life and ruined it forever. <laughs> Dick move. Because that was reversed for who we liked. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. It's fine. No, um, no, I think I like Jonathan the most, because Jonathan is like the stepping-off point. Mm. Whereby it's like, that's the standard of like... He's, he's the point manly. of comparison for the other protagonists. Yeah. So he is like setting up manly men doing manly things. Yeah. And like in the Victorian days, you're like, man, he is a fucking manly man doing manly things. And uh, for my reasoning for liking Dio is that I... He's obviously the inciting incident for the entire series. Mm. Uh, he seems to just take such joy in being such a dick that it can't <laughs> not be entertaining to watch in that, especially true. in that part because mm, mm. he's a bit more en enigmatic in part three as you've seen so far yeah he's a bit fucking ridiculous <laughs> oh i'm gonna read in bed and the lights are going to turn on as i approach them so mysterious so shirtless <laughs> <laughs> look at all these dead women in my house do you find them appealing <laughs> no because they're dead exactly. anyway now i'm going to turn to some shadowy anti Protagonists that the protagonist will surely encounter later and have an enigmatic conversation. <laughs> I have this cat bird man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, Dio. he's hilarious. He's, he knows how to, how to have a good time. Yeah. Part two. Part two. Part two. I want to just say Lisa Lisa because she was fucking amazing. Lisa Lisa is pretty cool. I don't it's think, just... Don't think I can stick it for mine because she's, yeah, underutilized. Yeah. I think, honestly, it just has to be Joseph for me in that part. Yeah, it kind of has it's to be. It's tried to pick the protagonist a little bit, I think, but... Either um, that or Stroheim when he just... Yeah. He's fucking ridiculous. He is very ridiculous. I give him that. Uh, but I think Joseph takes the money for me. I'm saying the, money a lot this episode. Who was the other person that was with them the whole Caesar. time? Caesar. No, not Caesar after that. There was Lisa Lisa. There was Joseph. Susie Q? There was another guy who was involved. Oh, um, Messina. Ah, Messina. And the other one, Loggins. Loggins. Oh, God. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, no. <laughs> It'll have to be Joseph, because yep. it's like, literally that entire part is the Joseph Joestar show. And finally, uh, Status Crusaders. Ooh. Someone that we know will kill me if I don't say Polnareff. I like Polnareff. <laughs> Shit. Uh, but I'm not going to say Polnareff. Ooh, who are you going to say? Oh, God. Oh, I can't say all of them. I mean, I do fucking love Polnareff. Shit. Oh, a uh, disclaimer, of course, I am whimsical and my favourites will probably change on a day-to-day -day basis. So don't hold me to this. Tomorrow you're like, man, I really like Jotaro for his yeah. non-fun-like I really like Speedwagon in part one. <laughs> God, Because he doesn't do anything, but he says a lot. What a guy, man. He's got that hat. <laughs> He's got that beautiful And then beautiful he gets hat. that other hat when Zapelli dies. Oh, man, what a guy. Um, okay, well... So far, I just, I cannot get over the fact that Jotaro's favourite fucking colour is transparent. You know, I've noticed you've been kind of fixated on that. It's just the best possible, like, oh yeah, he's a bad boy. He's like so super serious. 
No, he's actually really fucking stupid. <laughs> he can't actually express emotion. Like, it's hilarious. But, um... Oh, I reckon... I mean, Iggy could become my favourite character. I don't know. The problem is I haven't finished the whole, like, yeah, part of course, yet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Fuck it. I'm going to have to say Polnareff is my favourite. Just because his entire arc has been as, like, fulfilling as it has been entertaining. Yeah, where, like, sure. You basically go from serious Polnareff to ridiculous Polnareff within the same breath. <laughs> Um, either that or Jotaro because it's so dumb. Yep. <laughs> it's so beautifully dumb. All right. That, I think that brings us to the end of our episode. Oh no. If you too want to correspond with us, I can be reached at jojospodcast at gmail.com or the same on Twitter. At jojospodcast. Our theme music is Jojo Wave by Nick Ballantyne. Slash milk juice. Yep. With two O's. And until next time. To, to be, be continued. continued. Uh, uh.